In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would like for you to think about a time and a rather specific object. It might be a shirt, or a blouse, or a tie. It could be something that is upholstered, like a chair, or it might be a rug or a carpet. Now, see if this rings true. You're eating dinner, perhaps something like a lasagna, or maybe even barbecue with some fantastic sauce. And something happens while you're eating. You get nudged by a passerby, or you set your wine down on an uneven crack where two tables come together. Or perhaps you're just clumsy, and it happens. Something spills, or the marinara sauce releases from the fork on its way to your mouth, or the plate of barbecue is dropped. Suddenly, your favorite tie, or your new blouse, or the rug that was your grandmother's has a stain. And... After the initial cleanup is made, you or someone else say that whatever item it is is ruined because the stain just won't come out. You or they might even begin to make plans to have the item turned into rags or sent to the trash can. Mark's Gospel gives us a hint about this man that Jesus encounters in the synagogue. He has an unclean spirit. Now, before we say this man was demon-possessed, let me give you a quick lesson in Greek, the language the New Testament was originally written in. The word here that is used is, in fact, the word unclean, as something dirty or filthy, and not the word for demon, as something that has control or possession of someone. That distinction is very important for us to make because it changes our perception of the man and what Jesus did for him. We, you and me, we all have unclean spirits that invade or trouble us. Sometimes we recognize them and send them packing. Other times, they are very real and set up shop, and it feels like they are here to stay. And we know them by many names, and recall in our lives the times that we have been assaulted by them. Worst of all, we all encounter them, sometimes seasonally, but often daily. Anger, lust, greed, pride, things we recognize as sins. And there's also depression and alcoholism and anxiety and gambling and addictions of various sorts. You get the point. One thing we can infer from Mark's recalling of this story in a synagogue is that unclean spirits can invade communities as well. And the church does not stand innocent of having evil, unclean spirits invade its hallowed communities. 
we see it all the time, the child sex abuse scandals that have rocked the Roman church, the corruption of charlatan preachers on television, the animosity that liberals and conservatives feel towards each other. It is division and hatred, and there's so many things that if we could list them, it would take precious time. Have you come to destroy us? It is one of those odd things that sometimes we don't want that unclean spirit to leave us. We don't want to let go of anger because it defines who we are. Or we try to get rid of something like depression, but the road is hard and difficult, so it might be easier to cope rather than to, rather than to tackle the problem head on. We worry about the cost and what it means for us. Do we need to quit drinking? Perhaps we need to change friends who are bad influences on us. Maybe we should seek out professional help and get a wise and trusted counselor who can guide us out of our darkness. But something must be destroyed. Something must be killed in a sense. Notice that the unclean spirit doesn't go away easily. It cries and convulses and shakes the man around. The spirit didn't want to leave because it had a home. And it is very rare indeed that anything that we know that is bad for us is easy to let go of. How much easier to have one more drink or one more slice of cake or one more bet to see if we can break even. But there is something else that we need to pay attention to. And that is Jesus. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And people are astonished because of the authority with which he speaks. Jesus is teaching in a way that caused people to listen, to be changed, to understand the truths about God in a completely new way. And in that teaching... He does one other thing. He heals. And he heals, in this case, by speaking. And once again, that healing causes people to be astonished and amazed. One of the questions we should ask is this. What was Jesus teaching that caused the unclean spirit to be provoked? Was it a teaching about the rule of God's kingdom? Or was Jesus talking about what the work of ministry looks like? We all hear things from the pulpit that cause us to be caught up short. Or that we know to be right and good, but yet make us angry. Jesus doesn't just heal the man with the unclean spirit. He heals the entire synagogue. That is what is partially astonishing about Jesus' teaching. It wasn't just one man who was healed, but the entire community. 
Think about this parish. When we have members who are ill and can't be here, or someone who is upset over something that was said to them, and they decide not to come around anymore. And it wounds us, both personally and as the whole. We wonder what to do. How do we heal this rift? This is where we have to surrender ourselves to the healing that Jesus provides. We rest in the assurance that Jesus has the authority, has the power to put lives back into right order. We have many possible tasks, each dependent on what is happening. Of course, as in all things, we should pray. But there is also sometimes action that needs to accompany prayer. Do we reach out and call the person who walked away? What do we do with the homebound who sometimes feel forgotten or unloved? Are there those deep divisions that take great time to heal? Then we might just have to work through these issues one at a time and help our friends and perhaps even ourselves deal with the unclean spirits that oppress them. Jesus didn't ask the man to leave the synagogue. He confronted the problem. And sometimes, we should confront the problem, too. But we must always do it out of, uh, with a spirit of love and grace. When we as a church empower people to begin the healing process without ju judgment or agenda, and we have become what the church is, a hospital for the sin-sick soul, and a refuge for the fearful and the fragile. Remember that ruined garment with sauce or wine on it, how we were going to turn it into a rag or just throw it away? We must remember not to be so hasty. Stains do come out. It might take much work and time. The garment might need to soak in some detergent, or the carpet might need to be scrubbed. But stains do lift. There are very few that render something as completely ruined. And so it is with us. We aren't ruined either. Jesus never discarded anyone who came to him for healing. We as a church can't afford to do so either. Look for moments when you can be the source of healing for someone. And also, look for those things in your own life that you need to be healed from.